0: Welcome to On the Sofa with Victoria, where authors and industry insiders discuss the latest trends and themes in crime fiction. I'm Victoria Selman, author of the Zebra McKenzie series, and Truly Darkly Deeply, a novel which examines a serial killer's legacy through the eyes of his daughter.
1: He's a monster, hated, reviled by everyone but you. Truly Darkly Deeply by Victoria Selman is a mind-blowing, unput-downable serial killer thriller of a very different kind. Perfect for all fans of Mindhunter, Criminal Minds and Girl A. Out now in hardback, e-book and audiobook.
0: Today I'm on the sofa with three wonderful crime authors who have all worked in journalism before turning their hands, or should that be pens, to fiction. Fiona Barton was news editor at the Daily Telegraph, chief reporter at the Mail on Sunday and senior writer at the Daily Mail, and she's won Reporter of the Year at the British Press Awards. Sarah Saltoon was an award-winning news executive at CNN, a three-times Peabody Award winner, an Emmy Award winner, and the recipient of several Royal Television Society gongs. Simon Meir has worked at the BBC and The Telegraph and won the Commonwealth Broadcast Association's World View Award and the Kay Blundell Trust Award. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining me on the sofa. I must say, it's rather daunting to be in such esteemed company. I mean, my God, I should add all those awards up. How many have we got together between you guys? <laughs> it's rather a lot. Uh, but welcome. It's lovely to have you with me today. Thank you for joining me.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
0: looking online, it was very interesting. Um, you could, there are a number of courses teaching you, and this is a quote, how to think like a journalist to improve your writing. And that's actually the title of one of the courses. And it made me wonder what journalism teaches writers of fiction. And I'd love to unpick that with you, if if I may, today. Um, And particularly, I mean, let's start with um, the actual way of approaching a novel, what what it's actually taught you. I mean, the the course, for example, talks about knowing your audience, stirring up emotions, finding your angle. How how has it affected you? I mean, obviously, the transition from, from
1: journalism to, to novel writing. Uh, well, it was certainly a crunching of gears for me. Um, I know a lot of people think journalists write fiction all the time, but it's just not true. And uh, so I found it very useful and very difficult. Um, mm. So the usefulness were... I'm not frightened empty page um mm. you know I can I'll I'll set off um, writing um and I love research and uh, all the rest of it and angles etc mm. and uh, the difficulty was inventing okay. because I just I found it very difficult to allow myself to do that for a bit so um that was hard but and also um the length I mean, I'd never written much beyond two and a half thousand words before. And uh, and there I was trying to write 80,000. So I had to learn the drip, drip, drip. Mm. I had to um, stop telling the whole story in the first paragraph. Uh, But (laughs) the good thing was that, um, you know, you've got a lot of dialogue in your head already. You know, from the many interviews you've done, Uh, you, you know what people sound like. So those were, yeah. I mean, it was two sides of the coin for me, but uh, That's I don't true. know. About and actually, it's else. interesting,
0: isn't it? Because you talk about length, um, and you know how obviously in a in a news article you said what two and a half thousand words. So you obviously well, that have would that be succinct- a feature. Goodness, a that feature. Was, <laughs> I mean, I, feature, I'm yes, not a journalist. A at all, story you be like
1: seven hundred, yeah.
0: But I'm wondering if that succinctness is something. In fact, you also bring to the page. I mean, thinking about your writing, Fiona, particularly. I mean, the child, which I I loved particularly. Um, and The Widow, of course, as well. I, I remember um, reading and, and, and devouring uh, way back when. Um, but one of the things I particularly loved about your style was the cleanness of it. And that's something that's so often a feature of, of, of writers who are journalists, isn't it? That you you paint a picture, but you do it in that very clean, succinct sort
1: of way. Do you agree? Yeah. Silent, every word silent. has to count. Yeah. Yes, every say. word has
0: to count. Yes. Yeah. Simon, you're nodding. Oh,
1: yeah, I agree with everything that
2: Fiona said, and I can completely relate to it. That's exactly how I felt. because. Yeah. Um, so I started out in local papers where 400 words was a new story. Mm-hmm. And then, as Fiona said, two and a half was later on if you wrote a feature for somebody like The Guardian online. Um, so I was so used to being succinct that I was always underwriting. Yeah. Uh, and I was great with dialogue. I could figure out what to say. But then the other thing was... Um, I wasn't very good at um a lot of description because you add color quite yeah. succinctly, and then you're like, Well, I've written this chapter it's fifteen hundred words and is that long enough because maybe it should be longer yes. um, so the succinctness definitely, and also the um finding a hook for every chapter because that's what we're trained to do that just yes. keep the momentum yeah. going and um keep the reader's attention, yeah uh, so, yeah everything that Fiona said I completely agree with. I feel so much better um that I'm not alone in this. I thought maybe it was just me. The
0: dialogue is so interesting, though, as well. I mean, the approach to dialogue, because you're right. I mean, and actually, I mean, I, I think dialogue is hugely important in a novel, and it's something I like to bring into mind. I think there's something about white space on a page, isn't there, that somehow it's easier for the reader's eye, and it feels less daunting when it is a text is broken up by an active scene, and I love to do that, but it's something I've really had to teach myself, and it's um, the idea of how we speak. In real life, isn't necessarily the way we want to speak on the page. I mean, if you listen, as we as we all do as writers, let's be honest, we eavesdrop, don't we? It's one. It's, it's only one of my favourite things to do. Maybe it's just me, but you know, if I'm waiting for someone in a cafe, my my ears are waggling on the conversation that's going on behind me. But that conversation is never one you would transcribe word for word on a page, is it? And no. it's I, I no, guess that
2: people rarely yeah. say. What's on their mind? They talk about everything else but the thing that they really want to talk about. So that's, um, and that's one of the things about dialogue. And, and I think that's what makes great stories or great character development. Where yes it's sort of like if you're having an argument, I, my husband and I had a disagreement the other day about a chocolate flake, but it, it really wasn't about the chocolate flake, it was about yes. everything else. Yes. And, yes. And as a journalist, you're so <laughs> used to interviewing people and listening to them that you learn the rhythm of. Uh, dialogue you learn the rhythm of conversation I think Sarah would probably agree I do but I
3: I have actually found being a journalist desperately unhelpful oh, really um, yeah <laughs> I mean it, it's probably given me two strengths that I wouldn't have had otherwise and one is that I think all because I've also only ever worked in television so my mm. writing is or my journalism writing is completely based on writing to picture which is a very different skill set and um you know like Fiona said, everyone thinks that a lot of people, not everyone, hopefully not everyone, thinks that journalists write rubbish all the time. And of course, that isn't true. And we don't. And there's no place to hide in, in television, because if it's not in the frame, you can't address it. You have to write the picture. So that, from that point of view, it can be even harder. But I found being a journalist really quite difficult. It's impossible to sort of pull yourself away from what you maybe have experienced in the past. And remind yourself that if it's crap, you can invent it and change it and better it. It's a really, really ingrained impulse that you have to fight against all the time. The only thing that I have found really useful is I've had a lot of experience in different places. So I've been able to draw on that in ways that I wouldn't have been able to had I not been a journalist to start with. Can I but otherwise, it goes against every impulse I've got as a writer.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. But the writing it. to picture is
0: very. interesting. Can we talk about that a little bit, actually? Because as a as a non journalist, that's that's something that's um that's interesting. Can you can you explain to to listeners what we mean by writing to picture?
3: Well, when when you're when you're writing for television, there's two things you're doing. You're either writing, you know, intros and outros, and you know, much like what you've read. Just introducing the three of us, mm. introducing a guest, and then preparing your questions and what have you. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the writing you're doing is is writing to picture. It's writing to the video that your camera your camera person has shot. It's writing to the scene behind you, or you know, preparing to narrate something that you know is going to happen mm. in the location that you're in. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You you don't you, you're not just writing. You 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 don't set a scene. You're in the scene, so you're narrating mm-hmm. the scene okay GTA.
0: so you're writing yeah. what you're seeing so Correct. if I were I looking that, at you I would say she's sitting in her chair with a Charlie Brown screaming behind her is that what I would say? I mean you, how you, would you I might, would yeah
3: I, I, I dare say Victoria you could do a much better job than that but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired yeah, I'm recording mean, suppose, over Christmas I'm not sure I, I, I can. suppose, I suppose <laughs> when you start let's say let I give you an example when you when you start off in television journalism and you're usually one of the grunts on the overnight shift writing links to you know China and India have agreed to uh, compromise on the latest round of nuclear talks. Beijing and uh, Delhi have agreed, you know, you, you're yes. writing that kind of thing. And it, it's usually incredibly insipid and boring, but it's it's important. It's an important headline. You've got sort of 30 seconds to deliver it in, as ga- in an engaging way as possible. And the visuals you're, you're working with usually sort of gray exterior buildings of where the okay. talks are taking place. But if you suddenly started talking, I remember writing a link like that. And I think it was I'm, I'm going to get the context wrong, but I got distracted by this sort of cultural reference in one of the news wires that I was referring to, which was referring to Korean pickled cabbage, kimchi, <laughs> <And> <laughs> contrasting it to another local foodstuff of the other place I was writing about. And I so I decided to go off script and write a bit about the cultural um aspects of the places that i was writing about and my producer just said to me what are you doing we don't have any pictures of korean kimchi you can't ah. talk about korean kimchi when you're not right you, you can't write about it if you're not okay. showing it. so you can only write about what you're seeing but here's a question and actually
0: fiona and sima i wonder if this is the same i realize obviously you you're less focused on the television side actually that's not true because you were on the tv side weren't you Simon, with the bbc so, so actually this this yeah, is relevant so
2: I've worked Mm. with both, so Mm. I can completely relate to what Sarah's saying. And I remember leaving local papers, thinking I was a fantastic journalist, going into telly and doing that awful breakfast shift where you're writing Mm. those... Dreadful, dreadful. Those horrible things about what's going on. And then I remember I thought I was fantastic, and um, the uh, presenter had written on my script in red pen to correct me. Because that, because you can't write about what you can't see, Um, whereas with a newspaper, you're writing to there's one image but obviously you're giving context and you're giving taking oh, like, yeah. the quotes out and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So I can completely... radio
1: even more. Yes. Radio even more. You're you actually painting the picture with words rather than speaking to a picture. You are creating the picture. So yeah, I mean I think it, there's such different disciplines. Um mm. you know it's all journalism, but when you look at the different disciplines um within those media um it's not surprising <laughs> we have different experiences moving into um fiction, um and into yet,
0: You know what's interesting listening to you actually, what you've all said. I mean, I guess me is do you remember Sesame Street? Which one of these is not like the other? I'm the which one is, I'm the one who's not like the other. But in a way, I wonder if we are all the same. So you as journalists, you've had a picture in one form or another. But as writers, we all have a picture in our heads, right? I mean, that's where it all starts. I mean, a story, I don't know if you you guys are the same, but for me, it's often an idea, like a two-sentence idea, what if dot, 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 or an image has just come into my head and everything kind of stems from that image. So I wonder if we're kind of still doing the same as novelists. We have an image in our head. How do you translate that image on your head in your head, to the page, not in the way I boringly said about Sarah with the Charlie Brown p- picture behind it, but what is pertinent? What is the angle? How do you bring that image to life and pull the story out of it? Is that not what we are all doing?
1: I, I guess so. I mean, I, I mean, for me, it's often a voice rather than okay. um, a picture. right? Uh, it's a character. Uh, yes. And I don't know what they look like particularly, but yeah. I can hear. Hear a voice. I can hear their voice. Um, yeah, you know, and that's what kind of triggers me off to to explore further, and then you know, I get sort of the images and whatever. But it's yeah. more often a voice.
0: That's interesting. Um, and I guess there's another thing. I mean, looking at these courses, I mean, one of the things that they say about um journalists that obviously you have to do is is this idea of stirring up emotion, and this idea of the concrete details that can do that. So again, I suppose when you have a A fixed uh, amount of space to be able to conjure up an image so how do you how do you generate pathos through effectively a concrete image like I don't know someone's some parents died and the the shoes are all lined up still in the hallway and it's that kind of thing isn't it that I've had to work to be able to do but I wonder if your work has made you hone that skill even more I suppose
3: well, yeah, what you're saying. So now I feel kind of unfair about telling, saying that it hasn't helped me in the least, because mm. <laughs> because that's what we do. You know, you show up with your photojournalist to the sort of aftermath of some horrible thing that may have taken place in a far flung location, mm. and you need to communicate it as best you can to your audience. And it, you know, things like the aftermath of a plane crash. You know, the things that really get you when you see the baggage. Yeah, through the crash site and you see yes. the suitcases are open and they've been sort of carefully packed with holiday clothes and mind you know the, the the jetliner that was downed by the um russian during the first iteration of the war in ukraine in 2014 and you know you see people's holiday suitcases sort of littered across a crash a plane crash site and you know that that's in where this incomprehensible number of people have lost their lives in this very incomprehensible and Unimaginable way, but you're actually going to see that there was a bikini in that suitcase, and there was a teddy in that suitcase, and mm-hmm. there was a blanket in that suitcase. So you do have an eye for the kind of detail that will communicate the most effectively. And I think think that's my overall point. I, one thing that journalists have is we're communicators. You know that that that's what we are above all. We are surprising the art of communication above all else so we find the truth and we communicate it in the most compelling Mm. way possible when you're doing it with pictures you have to write to the pictures but if your pictures aren't good enough then you have to go and get some different pictures Mm. and if you're doing it on paper you need to be able to tell the best story you can with the information that you have at your fingertips and that's Mm. as journalists I think what will always be a skill when it comes to writing fiction is because we know how to communicate and we also all have a nose for a story. So we know when we're tying mm. ourselves knots with plot points and things because mm. it's just not good enough. <laughs> and you know it's not good enough because you wouldn't do it in real life. So you're not going to do it in fiction.
0: Simon, mm. is that is that the case with you? Do you think as journalists, you don't you don't tie yourselves in knots so much with plot points? Are so you much more organised maybe than clear focused
2: I don't think I'm organized unfortunately but I do understand what Sarah's saying about the you know when a plot point's not working Mm. and also one of the things about um having worked in tv is you know your dream shot list so when you go to a thing and you've done you've covered enough of these events you know what is the most emotive thing so the teddy and the bikini and so when you're writing a novel you can basically just write your dream shot list yes and and then use it because um, if you experience enough of these things, you know, um, what conveys the strongest emotion. Uh, yes. I'm organized when it comes to, um, as Fiona said, I'm not afraid of the blank page. I know I've got to get my dirty draft done, um, yes. and edit it. So, and I, and I'm organized enough to know that, um, you sit down and you write, and you just have to do it and you've got no option because you, I can work to deadlines,
0: Yes, yes. That's interesting, isn't it? The idea of deadlines. And I think we all have them, obviously. But I guess for you guys, I mean, for some people, maybe you haven't had that discipline, maybe a deadline is something scary, but maybe as a as a journalist, it's just, okay, that's it. You get the words done. You just get it out.
1: I mean, in the old days, if it wasn't in, if it wasn't in on time, it wasn't in the paper. So, um, and it was unforgivable. Right um, to miss a deadline you could um. be
3: fired for missing a deadline I mean you, your job is not to miss yes, a deadline. Of course. I mean, you don't miss you don't that's the only double-edged sword about this I think because I can't miss a deadline you know it, mm. it can't happen mm. yeah. I consequently think I sometimes turn in I could do better I just haven't oh
0: but Sarah don't you think we I've all think that turned I mean in- Every draft I hand in, I mean, you must all have this afterwards when you get the notes back, the copy edits, and when they say you can't make any more changes, don't you get that point where you read over, oh, but I really want to change
2: this. Yeah, There's you, always I, more we feel we could do. I look at my work now and I'm like, I need to edit this now. Yes, I can't uh, read
3: over stuff I've written. I it's too maybe. painful. I think it's just something I, I remember Fiona Cummins said to me once, mm. and she was also a journalist and is now of obviously a success, mm. very successful writer, and she said to me, but could you hand something... I couldn't, I, we were talking about deadlines and we were talking about the sort of sword of Damocles of deadlines. And she said, you know, well, could you hand something in if you didn't think it was a hundred percent, you know, where it needed to be? And I said, yes, because <laughs> in my world, you, you get fired if you don't hit the, okay. you know, it wasn't I would just finish it and hand it in and hit the deadline and do better tomorrow. You know, you always okay. have another go. Yeah. And she, she rightly gave me a look and said, oh, I don't think I could do that. And I thought, well, that's what makes you great. (laughs) You're great, too. i read your books. (laughs) They're fantastic. (laughs) So so you sort of, on the one hand, you know, the deadline, we all know we can do it because we've had to do it for years and years and years. But on the other hand, I think sometimes you just, I become overwhelmed with that. Well, I said I was going to write 30,000 words by this date. So I'm going to write 30,000 words by this date. And I'm going to write drivel.
1: But I'm going to have hit 30,000 words. So I'm going to go and have a bit. It, it is a nightmare, though, isn't it? Because I, I the second book, the child, I because the first one, obviously, no one knows you're writing it. You know, you just yeah. triddle along and yes. no deadline. And suddenly, I had a deadline, and that's as you say. I mean, it's just it's hardwired. You cannot miss it, and so I rushed to finish it and turned it in, thinking. I don't know about this, and uh, there was, you know, the ominous silence when the editors got <laughs> it, and you thought, oh, "No." Anyway, back they came and said, "Would you like a little bit more time?" And, uh, <laughs> so sweet. So I rewrote the whole second half of the book, forty thousand words. Wow! And I learned from that that <laughs> you know you've got to say, "I need more time," um, and it's okay um you it's know, very hard though
3: isn't it, to say it's so
2: it,
3: hard it, so I, so I similarly hard. have have it painful you know I'm on book number four and have learned that you know less is more sometimes just just have a day off yes, and, yes. you know just let, yes. let the material translate a little bit you know, maybe uh-huh. encourage yourself to dream about. It. You'll get yourself out of the funk, and it'll be better. Yeah. Don't just kind of put your head back on the grindstone and grind out your mm-hmm. two thousand words a day because they'll be rubbish. Mm-hmm. But it's so difficult to do it.
2: Do you?
0: That's interesting though because I also I'm a I'm a bit of a deadline freak, even you know despite not being a a journalist where you guys were. But I don't know. I actually have this idea. You can't edit a blank page, so it's actually better to get those words down step away and go back I'd rather do that than just wait and wait and I always find that works I mean I guess everyone's different aren't they I mean that's that's almost yeah. the thing
2: so I've I'm really pleased to hear all this because I for <laughs> the first time in my life have pushed a deadline the first oh, time okay. in my entire life and it's my new book um and it was due in at the end of this month and I've had all kinds of things going on including six children um oh, and I'm with you where I've got a really bad first draft and I've been editing I said to them, I just can't do it. So I feel yeah. like, and I—it was awful. It's like, oh my god, I've got to send this email. So I emailed my agent. I didn't even email my publisher. And I said, please, can you just explain? Yeah, my publishers are fantastic, uh, but it's taken real growth on my part to kind of bust out of that.
1: What are they, they going to say? Do, they, do?
2: they, oh, they don't like me and they're going to hate me and they're never going to be me They're <laughs> not going to trust. Yes, exactly. We have so in our minds, really, don't I've we? I've let you down. Let
1: like down, yes. down oh, email, take a oh, six God. months. Oh, yeah. oh okay, then. But we have this
0: idea, I think, as well, that if you don't meet a deadline, everything else is going to fall apart. So the proofs won't go out on time and this won't happen and that won't happen. But actually, there's possibly more leeway. And ultimately, a better draft is going to mean less editing anyway. So it's probably better to exactly. take
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That it is, is right. It is. It is hard, and I, and also the blank page thing. Um, Ian Rankin always says that you know you can't edit a blank page, mm. but I write a lot in my head, so I'm editing in my head as I go along. Anyway, so mm. you know, people just do it in different ways, don't they? I think I think and, that is uh, the thing. There you know, other people do that sort of you know mad month of writing where they just throw anything down on the page. I just can't do that because no. it's rubbish. And so I can't, you know, I can't let it go. There's no point in letting it go. I have to edit it. And mm. get some and I sort think, of you setup.
0: know, we talked about growing as writers. I think that's been a, a growth area for me is realizing that actually there is no right way. And you hear people talking, you know, oh, gosh, you know, they're doing this and I'm not and what's wrong with me. But yeah. we are all individual and you do just have to do it. I mean, obviously, but I think it's having that confidence to recognize it's okay. And as the more you write, the more you recognise what your style. I have a, I have a thing. My first drafts are always rub. I mean, you talked about the dirty drafts, Sima. I mean, my my drafts are so dirty. I think if anybody read them, I mean, dirty is in, you know, terrible. Not dirty is in rude. <laughs> Um but they are so dreadful. I think I would lose any I mean publishing. you're not writing blue movies. Out there. I'm not. I know. I tried to do a kissing scene once and even that was rubbish. So I've given up on anything like that. I just I just kill people now. It's much easier. But um <laughs> um but knowing that and knowing it's okay, I can write the drivel because I have to write the dribble I have to get the story out of my head. And that's how I work. And then I can hone it and I can polish it and I can make it good. And that's all right and
1: it's yeah
2: whatever works
1: I whatever say works. whatever works goodness mm. and a lot of people do it differently it, it comes yes.
3: with time doesn't it because I think as soon as you've written one book you can at least you have the luxury of knowing that you can do it yeah I think that 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 is the sort of big difference here when when you're writing your first book you you're always wondering if you can do it yeah. So, you know, you're, tr- you're trying loads of different things. There's mass panic. You're trying to hit deadlines. You realize that trying to hit the deadline was actually a stupid idea because you've written complete rubbish. <laughs> you know, you're editing this. You waste an enormous amount of energy doing X, Y, and Z. With at least what, you know, when you've done it a couple of times, I mean, we're all on our second, third, fourth books now. Mm. You you sort of know that it's not so bad to take your foot off the gas once in a while, or you know. If I you think
0: have... it's important, Sarah. You taught me something, in fact. So you I know, had. Tr- I don't believe it. You taught me so much, but I'm truly dark. This is a while. I mean, this will come out in 2023, so this is rewinding time a fair bit. But truly darkly deeply came out in July, and I was writing the book that comes after, which will be called All the Little Liars. I'm excited and everything else, and but I was I was in the middle of a first draft, I, so I was at that real excitement stage and truly dark deep was coming out and i think i was so preoccupied by that i mean we must have all had this right it was it was a new publisher it was um my first traditionally published book it felt like a debut even though it wasn't and um and i found i didn't have the headspace to write and I was really, really stressing out. And I was trying to get the words down. I was aware my children were going to break up for the summer holidays imminently. And my writing time was going to basically evaporate. And I was really, really stressed. And I had lunch with Sarah. And you were so wise. And you said to me, stop, take a breath. It will be a better book for you having a break. And you know what? So the summer went and I truly really dark not out. blah, blah, blah. And I didn't get back to this book until... September. So this was months later, but thoughts had crystallized. I suddenly was like, you know, even without thinking about it, just for letting things settle, I was actually, I'd quite like to bring Charles Manson into the next book and things I hadn't even thought about simply from taking my foot off the gas. So I'm now a convert, Sarah,
3: (laughs) and also hugely grateful. I should listen to my own advice more. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think we we probably all do need to. You
1: need (laughs) a
0: Sarah. (laughs) Yes, have lunch with Sarah and all your problems will be resolved. Um, Tell me this, this is interesting. So I was looking, um, again, researching what we might like to talk about. And the Writer's Digest... um, has this to say about novelists compared to journalists. So it's not actually saying one verse um, turning into the other, but actually one compared to the other. It says, journalists tell what's happening, novelists show it. And I wasn't sure about this, and I wondered what what you guys thought. Do, do, do you oh, show rather that. than tell? I don't do... know
3: about that at all. No. Um, I think journalists write about things, mm. which is the impulse that we have to fight when we start writing fiction. Yeah. We don't tell stories as journalists. We write about things. We can't mm-hmm. tell stories because to tell stories would possibly involve not talking about what we've actually seen or we, we bring context to affairs. We elucidate important developments in, in sort of what in, in global political narratives. We tell individual stories of, um, you know, collective trauma. That's mm-hmm. what we do when we're journalists. We don't actually tell people stories. Mm -hmm. novelists we tell stories we make stuff up we improve you know the character there's no excuse for any of our characters to be shit there's no excuse for our narrative not to have shape Mm -hmm. and the problem is when you've been a journalist for a very long time you have to remember that actually in the past you have been writing about things you haven't been writing a story and that's the difference so I would never say journalists do a lot more telling than showing TV journalists maybe less so because we can show and tell You know, mm-hmm. by waving around behind me as if everyone can see what I'm doing, but actually I'm just doing the action, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pictures because we can often make a point in a shot. I remember doing a story after the G8 uh, shortly up, shortly before the, so the day before the London bombings and we were all up in Scotland for um, the G8 summit, you know, thinking that that was the really big story we were all about to cover. And there had been a bunch of protests at Octorada, which was you know, just in one of the other locations, what, what, what. And there had been a load of damage done in Edinburgh and we were walking down the street like a gazillion other journalists were doing. And there was a shot of the shop front, which said business as usual on the front, but a couple of the words had peeled away. So my correspondent was able to take the shot and say, it's not quite business as usual. And just in that line with that image, you know, we told a whole second story. Ah. So, do, do you see what I mean? The balance is completely different with writers. I'm constantly being told I need to tell more than I've been showing, because I'm busily assuming that my reader can see what's in my head. But that's and interesting. I mean, because isn't isn't the thing I mean, we're always told? To show don't totally tell. Totally the other way round. Show yeah, really. don't tell. Yes. We would have been the perfect mm-hmm. journalist team, Fiona. You and I. <laughs>
1: The thing, but because the sort of journalism I was doing, I wasn't doing world affairs in that way. Mm. I was doing individual stories often. So I was telling people stories or they were telling their story. I was interviewing it out of them. I was getting them to talk about it, but they were telling their stories. Mm. Um, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean, uh, you know, when you're writing about world events, um, politics, um, issues, But when it's somebody's, when it's human interest, if you like, um, you know, if it's something that's happened to somebody. So Mm. I think, you know, I've I've been lucky because I've been able to do all of those. You know, I've been able to do writing about, but also um, telling a story or letting someone tell a story, Mm. which I think is why I often use a first-person narrative. Yeah. um, Because I'm used to other people actually telling the story, not me. Um, You know, as a journalist, you're kind of, you're you're listening and communicating what people have told you. So that's yeah. interesting. So it's almost
0: like in your head you're still almost a journalist, like the, reporting on the story that they they're telling you in a sense. If it's the first no, it's interesting though, <laughs> I isn't didn't it? Like get too
1: long to just discard it. That's the problem. You know, I can No, be I to think it's br- I'm so jealous of you all to, to have uh... <laughs> you know, I think
0: it's, it's amazing what you know, what you're telling me that you've just, you know, you've the discipline of, of being a journalist has given you as writers. Um, and it almost comes to you instinctively. How about you, Simon? What do you think?
2: Um, my The criticism I get is I need to show more and tell less. Yeah. So I'm in that world of always thinking, okay, how do I show this rather than just putting yeah. it in line? Yes. Um, I do think it's a huge privilege to be a journalist, to be able to go up to people and ask them such personal questions yeah um, and, and I i don't think I can calculate it for who I am I i don't think there's a clear demarcation between oh I'm a novelist here and I'm a journalist mm. there mm. Um, I don't think we ever stop being journalists do we I think it's just a part of fabric well, the, the good
1: bits the good bits <laughs> that the you know wanting to know and and mm. loving stories and loving finding out about you know what makes people tick and the yes. why and the but that's also all novelists
3: right I mean that whole yeah I miss the sort of creative the 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 creative buzz I used to get from you know curating a news program when I was making show when I was working in show production there was really nothing like it you know you have Mm -hmm. like this power of television all this material at your fingertips and you're making the most compelling and topical and editorially relevant and agenda setting conversation possible and it was so creative because you were working with so many different things, you know, live reports, news making guests, incredibly talented correspondents, loads of different locations, you know, this volatile positioning that you could find yourself in. And then all this other logistical information in the background, like how much time you've got to spend mm. on a certain segment and tedious stuff, like when you need to hit your ad breaks and things. And that there's no kind of creative enterprise quite as layered and as textual and as unpredictable and as exciting like it. And I really miss that. And I don't think you get that from novel writing. I mean, you can try and create a world where all those things are happening, but it's really hard work. <laughs> it's too hard for me. And you're not with the team. I mean,
0: that's what
2: <laughs> no, you're I miss. not. You're
3: just in some sort of tunnel of madness, your own head. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does madness. feel like that.
2: I am. Um, I, one of the reasons I became a storyteller, as in a novelist is because mm. I used to be told lots of interesting um, stories that I could never get to stand up. And as a journalist, when you're working for somebody, you're on a mm. deadline um, or you're you assigned a story and those kind of things, you don't always get time to follow them up. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were quite nuanced and they were stories that um, it would be hard to get to people to talk about on camera. Mm. Um, mm. And I also found that there were, I was finding that people weren't really being moved by news as much as they used to be. When I started out in local papers, you know, you had several editions, Mm -hmm. um, you'd go in at five, six o'clock and there'd be a new edition at like nine. And it was just, the world was changing. Yeah, Um, We were getting sort of, I felt like people were sort of bored of being told they just weren't believing it anymore maybe because we have rolling news we had the internet and all this kind of stuff um and I found that stories changed people in a way that news didn't anymore for me personally that's interesting Um, they They touch people's hearts yeah Yeah. I I write about I I write about privilege and I write about race and I write about patriarchy yeah Um, they're not easy things to um make news stories into and get news editors interested in all the time. Yes. Whereas with a novel, I can talk about all these things in fiction, couch them in terms that are not shouty. Sometimes yes. things can be shouty. Yes. Um, and and have the
0: space to do it, I guess, as well, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, with the background to explain why this person is as crazy as they are, rather than yes. just saying he's yeah. a crazy person.
0: Yeah. No, it's very interesting. Um, all right, guys, so last question for you, the the wild card, uh, the Desert Island, not discs. Now, before we started recording, we talked about what we might like to be asked, and I said I could play it very safe and ask you simply what book you would like to take with you to a desert island, but you all decided you were brave. <laughs> Fiona's looking at me thinking, did I really say this? <laughs> um, we decided we were brave, and we were going to pretend you three were three crime writers stranded on a desert island and you had to put a headline in the paper that was going out. And we we're going to try and work together as a team to decide what this headline should be. So if you're still feeling brave, and I'm not sure, if you're not, just choose a book, it's fine. What would our headline be? Hmm. I mean, obviously... Three the problem crime writers with stand it, on desert gonna, island
3: isn't obvious. <laughs> the problem now is you're asking three journalists to invent a headline. Yeah,
1: that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm asking you. I was going to exactly. say, what's
3: the story?
0: Exactly. What's story? Ah. Need, what is I the need story? I the story. I
1: can't just do a headline. Okay,
0: <laughs> what is the story then? Let's, let's rise to that challenge. Oh. It's
2: what kind
1: you of
0: know, like a locked room,
2: are what we crime writers? Are we a murder of crime writers? What are you could we? be anything. Yes, you could and are be.
3: We, are we all together for a random reason or for a particular? I mean, did we all go to the? Oh, same you thing? see, this is the journalist thinking going I in. Can what can what, can what are we doing good. here? Perhaps no, we <laughs> all went to the same crime writing festival. Okay. And everyone was knocked unconscious by a mysterious um, flesh-eating bug, except the three of us. Ah. And we didn't know why and realised it was obviously because we had some sort of secret healing powers. And we obviously, that connected the three of us in a way that none of us were expecting. And I like the fact that but this is we, your story, when you told me you'd just all been knocked down by a virus a week ago. But I can't imagine why we'd all be in the same place other than yeah, at I think
1: we were We were all on the Queen Mary lecturing as crime writers, and the boat went down, okay. and we ended up in a lifeboat together because we're smart. We know we must <laughs> <you
2: know, laughs> it all out before <laughs> not in the
1: boat, and now we're on the desert island. But we may have to eat each other.
0: I don't know. <laughs> so maybe that's <laughs> the twist. The flesh-eating I mean, virus will so actually powerful. turn out to be people eating
3: flesh rather than <laughs> yeah. That's lot of flesh-eating on this. Yes, um, the flesh-eating exactly. We could So our headline would be journalists lone survivors of queen mary wreck that's a rubbish headline
1: <laughs> i'm not reading on no no know. Picture? we've got no pictures yes, what's your picture yeah. we've got phones let's have phones we could have instagram hit Journalists on Flesh Eating Island go viral or something. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love <laughs> it. <sensations. laughs>
3: Journalists become TikTok sensations, exactly. exactly. <laughs> our
1: there you go. i one and only time on TikTok as I'm about to die or be eaten. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, golly.
1: <laughs> guys, cover, this our, was... cover our flesh wounds
3: with coconut shells.
2: You could. <laughs> you could. Right. You see, we're
0: definitely thinking okay. deep on this one. <laughs> Yeah, i think we'll let cool the cool listeners cool. fill the rest in shall we fill in the blanks <laughs> that maybe we can make that a twitter competition maybe people should come up with their own ideas and post their <laughs> thoughts on twitter with a hashtag sarah fiona and Simon on <laughs> island i don't know <laughs> crime time goes crazy guys thank you so much for joining me it's been great to have you on the show thank you for thank having me it's
1: been lovely really enjoyed meeting you all
0: been listening to on the sofa with victoria on Crime Time fm if you've enjoyed the show please do subscribe rate and review on itunes and join in the chat on twitter using the hashtag on the sofa with victoria or drop me a line at victoria selman i'd love to hear from you and hope you'll join me next time